Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight at Spirit of Grace Church. Uh, we're so glad that you're able to join us and be a part of our Wednesday evening service, Bible study. And uh, want to open tonight with just a word of prayer. So if you would join me together. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy to us. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. Pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and allow us just to draw closer to you. We'll love you and we'll praise you forever. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. It's good to uh, see everybody that is here. There's still some that are coming in on Zoom and Facebook. We're so glad that you're able to be with us. <clears throat> Looking forward to what God has for us, uh, not only today, but in the upcoming days, what God is doing in this day and hour and what we're dealing with in our society. It's just, uh, it's at one in one way, it's exciting. In the other way, it's uncertain. But here's the one thing that I do know is that God's in control. God knows and understands and, and sees all things and knows all things. And so we can trust and rely on him. And so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit out of the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. And just before I get to my scripture, I don't know, uh, there's a lot of people out online um, putting out different things that they feel the Lord is, is saying to them. And uh, I have been praying about that and, and kind of where we're heading as a society, as a church. And I wish I could tell you that, you know, God stuck his head out of the clouds and told me exactly what's getting ready to happen and where we're going and what all is taking place. But uh, I'm not going to even pretend to say that, but I do believe this. I believe that we are living in a day that while things are uncertain, there is a certain amount of upheaval going on. There's a certain amount of stress and pressure and whatever's getting ready to happen politically, societally, uh, and in a church. Uh, I do know this. I believe that God is wanting to, before the trumpet sounds and takes us home, that God is wanting to give his church another great worldwide revival. Not just, uh, it's in my heart, maybe it's just my desire to see that happen, but uh, I believe it's more than just my desire or others' desires to, to see it happen. But I do believe that God is going to take all of this stuff that we're dealing with and going to deal with in coming weeks and months and give us the church an opportunity to reach and touch somebody else's life. And I believe that very strongly in my spirit, and I'm, I'm asking God to just be uh, leading and guiding us in making the right decisions at the right time to be the most effective that we can be. And so tonight I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5, uh, two verses there, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15 and 16, and it simply says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation in the King James Version. The, the phrase there that says, make the most of every opportunity, uh, the King James says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. When you make 
the most of every opportunity that God gives us, even in the middle of these evil days, uh, when you do that, you're redeeming the time. Now, over in Colossians chapter 4, he says it again in verse number 5. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity or redeem the time. Let your conversation or your behavior be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And so I want to um, share with you this thought tonight, the redeeming of time or the redemption of time. And I believe that God is, I, I believe I said it maybe on a, maybe Sunday, uh, last few weeks I've said it, I believe that God has called us for this day and this age and while I'm appreciative of the prophets and the apostles and the disciples, and we lean on their doctrines and how God used them to establish the church and where we're going as a church is because of what they allowed God to speak through them, I believe that God called us for 2020. Uh, Simon Peter's not here. The Apostle Paul is not here. God did not design them to be here at this moment. He has designed us to be here at this moment. And we are in this time frame or in this era, in this season where God is, is I believe, speaking into us and saying, uh, let's redeem the time. You know, not, not living as fools, but as wise, because God is wanting us to redeem the time. And so there's a couple of things that I want you to remember tonight. Number one, time is a divine gift. Uh, and what I mean by that is God created it. Uh, before God created, before God said, let there be, there wasn't anything. There was no such thing called time. And so uh, God, when he spoke it into existence, he created it and he gave you and I a gift of time. There was a phrase that said, that was stated like this, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. That's why it's called present. And we live in the moment. There is a moment of time that God has given us. And it's a gift from him because when you walk in time, what you are really walking in is the life that God is allowing us to partake of. And he has given us this, this time, this season. And, and I know that even sounds crazy when you think about everything that's going on in the world and all the things that are happening in society and you pick up any newspaper or you watch any television news or you listen to the radio and everything seems to be going absolutely insane. In the midst of all of that, this time is a gift from God to us and we would do well to redeem it. We would do well to make every opportunity count that God gives us. Every breath we take, every time we see something that, that God is, is opening up a door for us to step through, it's our challenge because he's giving us this gift. Um, the second thing uh, with this gift is it is a divine grant, if you will. With the gift of time that God gives us, he does so to give us a responsibility for the time that he has given us. He has granted us a moment or a season to accomplish what he has called us to accomplish. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how much ability that you may possess. It doesn't matter if it's uh, something that you think is minimal or something that you think is very important. And all of those things, God has granted this time slot for you and I to dwell in. 
and he's given us a responsibility. Uh, if you read James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, and Proverbs 27, 1, he's given us this time slot in history. History, everything is his story. History, it's his. From the very beginning to the very end, it's all about the Lord. It's all about God, and he's given us this time frame within the midst of this timeline of allowing us to dwell in and to be used by the things of God. And I want you to just remember there's there's two things that everybody should know or has known about time. Number one, it goes fast. Time goes fast. It's amazing to, to even uh, realize that my wife and I have now been in Coon Rapids for over 11 years and uh you know near excuse me nearing 12 years it's it, it's hard to believe that we are heading into our 28th wedding anniversary in september uh time flies our kids we've got one that's getting ready to be a senior one that's going into middle school and it seems like yesterday that they were born and running around in diapers and uh, the second thing about time is always this there is going to come a time when it will end. Uh, time will come to a conclusion. Whether it's our personal time here on earth or whether it's time in general, there's going to come an end to this thing we call time. Now, I, I want to share a couple of things with you that uh, I, I did this study research a while back and it, it really kind of startled me a little bit. Uh, number one, if you live to the age of 75 years old, this is if you're 75, you will have spent six months sitting at stoplights. If you grew, if you, if you made it to 75, you will have spent six months sitting at stoplights. You will have spent eight months opening junk mail. Now, now it's electronic, but there's still junk mail in the emails. It's eight months, if you live to 75, that you'll spend uh, opening junk mail. You will spend one year looking for misplaced objects. Some of us maybe more than a year. But a, a year of looking for misplaced objects. You will spend two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. Think If you live to 75, you'll spend two years of that 75 years will be spent attempting to return phone calls. Now... If you live to the age of 75, you'll spend four years doing housework. Unless you have a little bit of OCD, then you might do a little bit more. And uh, my wife just raised her hands. So uh, you may do a little bit. Four years of your 75 will be spent doing housework. This one got me. Five years of your 75 years will be spent standing in line. Must be going to Valley Fair and things of that nature quite a bit. This one I could relate to. You will spend six years of your 75 years eating. Six years eating if you live to 75 years. And uh, if, if you just do the addition of, all, of those seven things, sitting at stoplights, opening junk mail, looking at for misplaced objects, unsuccessfully returning phone calls, doing housework, waiting in line and eating, that's 19 and a half years. Almost 20 years. 20 years of your life doing those seven things if you live to the age of 75. Now, if you add into that, or as an aside to that, 
if you spend five hours a week uh, on Sunday and Wednesday at church, that means you will have spent two and a half years at church if you live to 75. And that's if you don't miss a Sunday and if you don't miss a Wednesday. So I want you to think about that. 20 years doing those standing in line, eating, doing housework, uh, uh, unsuccessfully returning phone calls, and yet out of all of those two and a half years that you'll spend at church, if you just come for five hours a week, think about that. My question is this, God's time, his gift and the grant and the responsibility of using the time that he has given, are we using it wisely? Are we Now, does that mean that we have to have service every night? Um, when I was growing up, we did. Oftentimes, we had what we called revival services, and we'd start on a Tuesday night, and every night we'd go, and then twice on Sunday, and we'd take Monday off, and we'd go Tuesday through Sunday again every single night, and uh, we used Monday to do the laundry, so we had clean clothes for the rest of the week. And uh, I, I say we, my mom did the laundry. I, I didn't do the laundry, but that Monday was her, her day. And, and so we, we did all of these things. But when you realize that God has given us this time, and I feel an urgency in my spirit that God is bringing us back to a place where we redeem the time, where we make every opportunity of what God has given us. And, I, and what I fear or what, what, what has made it a little bit more urgent is I think in the church even, we have become so busy with the other things of life that we have neglected the time. Instead of redeeming the time, we have neglected the time that God has given us. And I believe that God's gift of time is too precious a commodity to not steward it properly. And so Paul tells us in both Ephesians and in Colossians, redeem the time. Make every opportunity that you have to do something for God. And uh, am I saying now that we can flip the switch and we can go 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year? I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is take the opportunities that God is placing in our pathway and step into them. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, we must operate our lives in forward progress. I press towards the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. This requires faith and it requires focus. And here's what, here's what I find happening. And it's probably nothing new and probably every generation has had to deal with this in some way, shape or form. But we have gotten as Christians too comfortable in the way we operate and the way we live. And because of what we're dealing with in society over the last several months, it has overturned our comfort level. It has shaken us to the core. And the Bible says there's coming a time, and I believe that we're even in that, when everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. And I want to stand with the others that are following Christ and not be shaken. I want to remain. I want to endure to the end. I want to be that kind of believer that says, come hell or high water, I'm standing with Jesus. And not only am I standing with Jesus, I want to be used by Jesus so that others can experience this wonderful relationship that I've been blessed to have by knowing who he is and him knowing me. There's something that happens when 
we fail to redeem the time, when we fail to make opportunities. I know I'm not alone when, when I say that there, if, if we all look back on our lives, there's things that, uh, looking back, we said, I wish I would have done this at this point in time. I wish I would have done this uh, goal in school, or I wish I would have done this when I was a, a teenager instead of doing this. Or, And it's not necessarily a regret, uh, but it's a, just, a, I wish I would have done something different. I don't want to get back, or I don't want to get to the time when I'm standing before the Lord and say, man, I wish in 2020 I would have done this. I wish in 2020 I would have prayed a little bit more. I wish I would have studied a little bit more. I wish I would have done. I want to get to that day and say, God, I did the best of my ability to redeem the time that you've given me. I, I want to be able to look him in, in the eye and say, uh, precious Lord, I, I did what I could. I, I didn't waste it. I didn't, I didn't let it fall away but I was in tune with what you were trying to do in my life and I was listening and I was acting. Are we going to be perfect? I wish. There's only been one perfect one. His name is Jesus and none of us live up to him. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. I'm not saying we're going to make the right decision every day, every hour. What I am saying is what are we doing to redeem the time? Again, we can. I saw. I read this years ago, and it's kind of stuck with me through the years. It's simply this: any man, woman, child, anybody can mark time. They can waste time. They can kill time, but only believers can redeem time. Ten minutes ago is past. Ten seconds ago is past. We are living in a present time going into a future time. And so the, in order to redeem the time, we have to make every opportunity that we have to make a difference for Christ, to look at the surroundings around us and say, okay, what can I do to make a difference in this moment? Does it call for intercession? Does it call for a testimony? Does it call for an in-depth study? Does it call for prayer? Does it call for worship? Does it call for a song? Does it, what, what, what is that moment of time that I am facing, that I'm experiencing right now? What does that time do for me that, that God is wanting to use me in? How can I redeem it? How can I make the most of this opportunity to touch somebody's life? Here's what redeeming the time means. It means managing time so that it is personally and corporately eternally profitable. The, the scripture says this, and I know it's, it's talking about primarily about finance, but it says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where, must, where rust and moth does not, doth not corrupt. And, and that's part of re, the decisions we make. It's part of redeeming the time. It's part of making the decision and using the time that God has gifted us and walking, not circum, or walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. It's the fool that says in his heart, tomorrow I'll do this or tomorrow I'll do that. It's the fool that says, uh, I, I, when I get everything together, then I'll act. When I figure everything out, then I'll act. It, it's, when, it's, it's the fool that says in his heart, maybe tomorrow I'll do it. Maybe tomorrow I'll pray. Maybe tomorrow I'll search. Maybe I'll, tomorrow I'll surrender to God. But here's what the Bible tells us. Take no thought for tomorrow, what, what tomorrow will bring. 
It says, don't worry about it. Tomorrow has troubles of its own. Take this moment and redeem this moment of time. Make a decision right now to prioritize in the, the things of God and make an application to our life that says, I want to serve him in the moment. I want to make every opportunity that I have to serve him and to love him and to know him Listen, I understand that there's all kinds of things that are battling for our time, battling for our energy, whether it be our homes, our cars, our, our, our jobs, our family, whatever it is battling for our time, that, 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 that's going to be there. That, that's part of life. That's who we are. That, that's, that, that makes us successful in, in living. He wants us to have that. But in the midst of doing all of those things, when the opportunity arises... Take that opportunity. Uh, I learned a long time ago that for me, my best prayer time is when I'm driving um, because there, I can focus on things. I'm not, when I'm at home, there's always something to do when you have a house. And when you have a home, there's always something. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe it may be small, maybe large, but in the back of your mind, there's always something that you can do or you're thinking about or you're daydreaming about. You're wanting to do something. You're wanting to go somewhere. But, and so sometimes it's hard to focus when you're, at the, when you're at the house. So when I get in the car in the morning, there's nobody but me. The, the radio may be playing, and, and I can just focus in on the Lord, and he and I can have a conversation, and we can spend our time together. Wherever that is, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Making the best of every opportunity. When, God, when, when I spend that time with him in prayer, then when I get out amongst people, I recognize more often the opportunity to leave a testimony, to leave a prayer. Somebody will see something in me at that moment and, and, and say something, and, and I'll have the opportunity to share my heart with someone. Or the Lord will begin to speak to me about what to teach, what to preach, how to operate, what, to, what changes to make. You see, we're living in a day and age that is coming so rapidly. Um, I read this is years ago, so it's probably more than this, but probably 10 or 12, maybe 13 years ago, I read where that knowledge doubles every year. Everything that we know upon uh, along all aspects of knowledge doubles every year. It probably goes even more now. Can you imagine that, that concept? And at the same time, the more we know, the more knowledge that's out there, the less we're leaning on the creator of all of that. The less that we spend in communication and relationship with the one that created all knowledge. And uh, I believe that God's heart is trying to get our attention. Um, does that mean that God sends everything that we're dealing with? And did he send Corona and did he send all the rye? No, he didn't send all that necessarily, but he'll use it. Every time the adversary throughout history, uh, I, I was reading some of my notes uh, from years past this week. And uh, I, I preached a message several years ago that God uses the Satan He's a servant. Satan is still a servant of God because everything that Satan does, God uses to set himself up for to receive glory and to make a difference in the kingdom of his people. And so he's going to use coronavirus. He already has. We're reaching around the world as churches and as preachers 
that people that there's people online right now that that hadn't heard me preach or or teach in years and, and they've been listening and they've been checking in from week to week and so we're reaching areas that we've never reached before so coronavirus has already expanded our territory spiritually I believe in all the upheaval of society that we're dealing with, God is going to draw out that which he wants to draw out, and it's going to come to the fore, and there's going to be a powerful dimension of his spirit. It's already happening here in Minneapolis. We're already seeing, you don't see it on the news, but you see it on some social media. There's people that are being baptized on a daily basis right down where all the riots took place. There is more ministry happening in Minneapolis now than has happened in years. We're just not seeing it broadcast uh, in, in the, the media, if you will. Uh, we're seeing very little of it in, in that. But, we're, but if you just look close enough, God is doing some things. God is uniting people like never before. God is bringing people together both virtually and in person like we've never imagined the opportunity to do. We have an opportunity right now to redeem time. We have the opportunity to make the best of everything that God has given us. It's in the darkest hours of history that the church has shown the brightest. Listen, you may hear and you may read of different prophecies, different explanations of end time. End time stuff should not, we should not be fearful. We should not be apprehensive. We should step forth in boldness. We should step forth in anointing. We should step forth in the word of God and allow him to take this time when everything seems to be blowing up around us and unite us for his kingdom and speak boldly into the spirit world and take dominion and authority by the, by the name of Jesus, the power that's in the blood of the lamb, the cross of Calvary. He's already paid it. We're, we're fighting a defeated foe. So all the upheaval has already been defeated. We are being called by God to step into a gap that maybe we haven't had to step into for some time. I, I enjoy history. I enjoy church history. And uh, there was a man by the name of William Seymour in 1906 or so, 1905, 1906, that the Lord got a hold of his heart and he went to Los Angeles, California, and he opened a little storefront church. It was nothing major. It was nothing big. He didn't even have a real pulpit. He put box crates or milk crates, uh, stacked them together for his pulpit, and he began to pray and to preach. And from that little storefront, there was a fire that was ignited that went around the world. People flew in from all over the world to experience what was happening at what we know now as Azusa Street Revival. Azusa Street was not anything glamorous. It was just a small street that had a small storefront church, but it had a church and a pastor that decided to step into the gap in the midst of darkness, spiritual darkness, in the midst of upheaval at the turn of the century and began to get a hold of God and it turned the world inside out. It made something happen that to this day, there are several churches that trace their time back to that place in Azusa Street. Could it be that God is calling us, maybe it's even Spirit of Grace Church in Coon Rapids, is God calling us to redeem the time and the opportunity that we have that doesn't just start a spark on Woodcrest Drive Northwest in Coon Rapids, but that spark 
filters out all around the country and around the world, and we reach people that we've never reached before with the gospel, and something happens in them, could it be that God is calling us to do that? If that is the case, and I believe that God would desire that, I believe that God is calling us to new to new sacrifice. He's calling us to new sacrifice as part of redeeming the time. He's calling us to do new avenues in prayer. I've been so excited to read some of the prayer requests and the, the statements that have come across text and that uh, we've stepped into a warrior spirit of prayer. And those that were listened to our message a few Sundays ago, uh, when, I, when I prayed a prayer in that style, uh, I've heard that over and over again from different people in the church. Oh, we're praying with a warrior mentality. That's what God, the Bible says this, the, violent, the, uh, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. When we become a warrior, and I know that doesn't mean that we beat our hands, but when we begin to take authority and step out in boldness and take the time and the opportunity that God has given for us to speak into a situation in prayer, God can take the prayers of his people and the boldness and the anointing of his people and unleash heaven in the midst of hell and hell will come begin to shake and tremble in fear and bow down before the things of God. It's going to happen eventually no matter what, but it can happen in a spiritual sense even now. God is wanting, I believe, to give the church a great revival, not because we're special, not because, but because the time is ready, the time is ripe, the opportunity is there. It's time to redeem the time that God has given us, that divine gift. So what does that mean? What do we have to do? I'll tell you what I believe God is calling us to, uh, two things especially, and that's all I'm going to dwell with tonight, and I'll be done in about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, unless God anoints me a little more. I don't know, uh, 10 or 15 minutes, but it's simply this. You and I have got to get our priorities set. I know we've heard that for years. Get your priorities set. God has got to be number one in our lives. He has to be. Listen, I wish that we could just enjoy all the things of life. And I made a statement either in today's devotion or tomorrow's devotion that we as Christians have spent too much time in our lives trying to make the kingdom of heaven fit our comfort zone of what we have as life now instead of allowing us to step out of our comfort and into his kingdom. His kingdom is not designed to make us comfortable because his kingdom does not line up with what's going on right now. His kingdom is bigger than this kingdom. His kingdom is an opportunity for us to step into something different and something new that will allow us to experience the things of heaven. But the things of heaven don't coincide with, the Bible says it this way, we are strangers and pilgrims in an unknown land. We are not citizens of this earth. We have become citizens of heaven. What, well, what does that mean? What does that mean when it comes to our priorities? I'll tell you what it means. Look, and I've said this before, and this is probably the first time I've said it online, so I hope I don't offend anybody, but if I do, it's still the truth because it's the word of God. There's two ways that you can check whether or not your priorities are, are set. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. And for those of you that don't know what a checkbook is anymore, look online and go to your bank statement. And that is simply this. Where are you spending your energies 
and where are you spending your resources? If your priorities are right, your energies and your resources will go to the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says it this way in Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek you first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. If you're worried about all these things and you're wanting to have a, the only way that you're really going to get all these things is if you seek him first and seek righteousness in his kingdom. It's through your energy and your resource. I know if my calendar is full of things that are not kingdom minded, my priorities have gotten off. I know if my resources are going to everything that's not kingdom minded, then I know my priorities have gotten off. And, and so God is calling us back to repentance and saying, God, forgive me for getting off course. Forgive me for allowing my priorities. I, I don't have the time to teach this right now and, and show it biblically. So maybe some other night I will. But uh, until then, search this out for yourself. But I believe that God has given us a list of priorities that you and I must operate in. Our first priority has always got to be God. My relationship with him has got to be my most important priority. How is my relationship with him? I cannot let anything come in between my relationship with the Lord. That's including job, family, anything. God is number one. Number two, if you're married, it's your spouse. It's your spouse. Not your children, your spouse. I know that's sometimes hard to hear because it's easier to put your kids there. But when your kids are grown and gone and you look across the living room, it's you and your spouse. Number one is God. Number two is your spouse. Number three is your family, your children. Those are your top three priorities. And then after that, it becomes church. It becomes the things that God is asking you to do. And you'll know what those priorities are after number three if you're spending your top priority with him. Yeah, does that make sense? If you're spending, God is your number one priority. He's going to dictate to you what four, five, six, seven, eight are. And you're going to be able to listen, hear, and understand. But scripturally, you have a responsibility, number one to God, number two to your spouse, number three to your children. And, uh, and then what God is directing you and leading you into. So God, I believe, is calling us in order to redeem the time is to set your priorities. And while it's so easy to get your priorities out of whack, it's so hard sometimes to get them back, but really it's not. It's just a matter of getting back into the presence of God and saying, God, forgive me, help me. My heart's desire is to do what you need me to do. First and foremost, I want to please you. The second thing that I believe God is calling us into as far as redeeming the time is simply this. We must seize every opportunity that he places in our path. Doing church like we did church in February is not going to work and it's not going to happen. We are in a totally different season, a totally different era and you and I must adapt to what God is doing in this hour and in this time. If we're going to redeem the time, we're going to have to operate and we are going to have to think differently. And I want to bring something to the very forefront of your thought process when it comes to how to operate 
as a Christian today, and that is simply this. Our driving force must be God's grace. It's got to be our driving force. I'm not talking about God giving us grace. I'm talking about us releasing God's grace to others. God's grace, whether it be uh, socioeconomical, whether it be racial, whether it be uh, philosophical, whether whatever it is, we've got to have the grace of God emanating from us so that we can allow God's grace to touch somebody's life. We have to, it, it go, it's antithetical to American thought. And I said this a couple weeks ago, I love America, but God's not American. Okay. Uh, God is above America. God's grace is not American grace. Okay. We tend, and I believe, I don't want you to misunderstand me. And so I'm going to try to say this as clear as I can. I believe in the constitution. I believe in the bill of rights. I believe that we are endowed from God with certain inalienable rights. I believe that I stand on that. But at the same time, I understand that I've got to show grace above all things. So am I showing grace by getting into constant arguments with people about the things that are going on? No, I'm, I'm going to show grace by allowing them to have their opinion, not going against the things of God. I'll stand for the things of God forever, but there may come a time. I don't know uh, how it's going to happen, but there may come a time where we don't have the same rights that we have. It's not unusual in the world. There are countries that are dealing with situations where they don't have the same rights that we have enjoyed. I don't know. What, I'm not trying to speak prophetically. I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't know what the end time is going to be. Here's all I do know is that Jesus is in control. And Jesus showed grace to a young man in many times over in the, in the 49 and almost 50 years of his life. Every time he messed up, every time he had the wrong idea, every time he thought he was right when he wasn't right, every time that he treated somebody wrong and every time that he deserved punishment from God, God gave me grace. So who am I not to give grace to another? Who am I not to give mercy to another? If Christ would give me mercy, so here's what I'm saying in redeeming the time. We have abundant opportunity right now to show grace and mercy. You and I have stepped into a season in society that is looking for grace and mercy. They may not be voicing it that way. They may not even understand that that's what they are looking for, but they are looking for the grace and mercy of God. And you and I, according to the scripture, are the, the, the living epistle, the letter, that which they see. When they see us, they've got to see him. And so unless we redeem the time and, make a, and seize every opportunity, they're not, they're, there's the possibility that they're not going to see him. And they're going to miss, and we're going to miss the opportunity to show grace and mercy. You know, I wish that I was always right. But I'm usually not. Uh, you can ask my wife. No, I'm just kidding. They're, they're, she's even raising her hand in the, in the living room right now. There, there's, I wish that I could say every time I've always done everything right, I've never said a wrong thing. I've never treated somebody bad. Listen, we're, none of us are perfect. We all fall flat on our face time and time again. We always, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, 
uh, read it. We fight against that which we want to do, we don't do, and that which we do, we don't want to do, and it's just a constant battle. So we have to take a step back from time to time, and we have to reevaluate, and we have to look down, and if it means we have to sit down and write down our priorities and repray our priorities. Listen, I want to challenge you this week. Spend some, some time between now and Sunday. We're getting ready to celebrate Independence Day. This is the greatest nation in all of history. It's the freest nation. It, it's, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to worship the way we worship, live the way we live. I don't know if it's going to always be that way. I don't know how God's going to allow uh, the time before his coming to happen. I don't know. I'm not pretending to, to, to know and not pretending to explain it. But this one thing I do know is that in the midst of celebrating Independence Day this week, in the back of my mind, I want to pledge allegiance one more time to the Lamb that hung on a cross. There's an old song that said, I pledge allegiance to the lamb. I want to pledge allegiance to the sacrifice that hung on Calvary for me. The one that paid the ultimate price for my soul. The one that thought highly enough of me to spend time as a man and dealt with everything that I dealt with. The Bible says with all, touched in all points of the infirmities that we deal with, yet without sin. I'm thankful for that person named Jesus, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And I would uh, encourage you this week as we celebrate American independence, let's celebrate Christian independence. And Christian independence is simply this. We are independent of our own ideas, our own agendas, our own goals, and we become dependent on him. We need to become independent of what we want and become dependent upon what he wants. That's redeeming the time. What's your time look like? What's my time look like? What's our time look like as a corporate body of believers, whether it's our local assembly or our online assembly. We've got some people that have been to church as often as they can online. They're members of our church, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, they have joined the cause of Christ. And uh, some of them have just uh, joined us in a way that they, their, their comments and their emails and things have been so refreshing. Wherever you're at tonight, whatever city, state you're in, my challenge to you is this. God has stepped onto the scene one more time and he's asking us, church, my body, my believers, will you spend this time, this season, redeeming it, making every opportunity to accomplish what God wants? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what's coming our way, but I know who holds what's coming our way. And it behooves us, it challenges us, it calls us to greater dimensions of faith, greater dimensions of grace and mercy, greater dimensions of prayer and dominion and authority. You have the authority to step into your prayer room and begin to seek the face of God and begin to do battle on behalf of your loved ones. I believe there's coming a day where he's going to restore people those that have walked away in the time past. I believe that God's giving us another opportunity. He's given us so many through history, but I believe we are at the precipice of another opportunity to step into a dimension of anointing that we've never experienced before, and God is going to call people back into the kingdom. 
I don't know where you're at today, but wherever you're at, would you just close your eyes with me just for a moment and let me pray for you. Jesus, I come before you, Lord, in the authority of your word and the power that's in the blood that was shed at Calvary. I come against the voice of the adversary that would cause fear. Your word says that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but you have given us love and power and a sound mind. I'm asking you, Lord, in the midst of this season, when things don't seem right, when things are upside down, when things are in upheaval, I'm asking you, Lord, to release the angelic force those that camp round about them that fear you, mobilize them and activate them. Mobilize and activate your warring spirits, God. Lord, those that went and caused ambushments for the children of Israel, let those same angelic forces go before us, go before this church. Lord, cause havoc in the enemy's camp. Cause upheaval in their camp, Lord, and help us to step into every opportunity Help us to redeem the time. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing the things that are around us to distract us, Lord, to, to cause apprehension and fear and worry. Lord, forgive us, God, for not trusting in your word that says you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, that you would cause us to become more than overcomers. Help us, God, and forgive us, Lord, for, for our unbelief. As the disciples, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, help me, God, to see things in your spirit. Lord, I speak clarity. Lord, I speak dominion and authority into our prayers. Allow the spirit of the warrior to come upon us. Lord, uh, allow the spirit of the mighty men of David to come upon us to pursue that which was taken and take back, God, that which you have given us in the spirit. Lord Jesus, let revival come. Let harvest come. Let there a reaping come, I pray, for all the prayers that were sown. I pray for all of our prodigals, God, that have walked away from you, Lord Jesus, whether it be because of church, church, church hurt or whether it be because of doubt, whether it be because of fear or because they just got off track. I'm asking you to step in into their homes right now and allow them to feel the strength of your embrace. Lord, move in their hearts, move in their minds, move in their spirits. Let them become restless for you and allow them to seek your face one more time. In the name of Jesus, because God, I know you're the father that's standing at the end of the road just waiting for the prodigal to return, to embrace and to reestablish, Lord, their position in the family of God. Lord, help us not to be like the older brother, but help us to open our arms in grace and mercy. Lord, let grace and mercy explode in us, among us, around us, so that people experience your grace and your mercy flowing through us. By the authority of the word of God, I release it across the airwaves right now. In every home, wherever this is being watched from now until the time it's not watched any longer. Lord, whether it be in a car, whether it be on the podcast, wherever it is, I speak boldness right now. I release the mantle of anointing right now. Lord, by the authority of your word and the power that's in your spirit, I feel the shaking, God, of that which has hindered us. I come against every obstacle. I come against every spirit. Lord, I command it to be silenced in the name of Jesus, and I loose the still, small voice of God into every believer's heart. Right now, Lord Jesus, into every home, Lord God, I place a hedge of protection around every mind, around every heart. I bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. Lord Jesus, let it be released in this place all around the world right now. 
Give us another Azusa, God. Give us another outpouring, God. Give us another manifestation of your presence, Lord. We're hungry and thirsty, God, for a move of heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And now I know we're online, but like I say in church, could you seal this prayer with a time of praise and worship? Lord, I lift your name up on high. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your ways are above our thoughts. Your ways, your thoughts are above our thoughts. Your ways are above our ways. You are almighty. You are glorious. You are awesome in our presence. You are mighty to the pulling down of strong. You are incredible, God. I'm thankful that I know who you are. I worship you. I adore you. I exalt you. All power and dominion belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you for joining us tonight. Take the next few days and think about what we've shared with you. Redeem the time. Be as wise, not as foolish. And step into an opportunity that God has created for you. Facebook friends, we say good night. Look forward to being with you on Sunday should the Lord tarry. We love all of you, all of you, all, all across the country that's joining us online. We love you, appreciate you so very much. May God richly bless you tonight.